Check, check, check one, two, and we are live. Welcome to the Dispatches from the Scandamaniac podcast. I am your host, as always, Captain Ryland Johnson. Um, before I get into today's episode, I wanted to just do a little housekeeping. Um, last episode I released was with my friend Miles Neglick Voss. I really liked this episode because me and Miles kind of... Uh, Miles is extremely introverted and very unopinionated and kind of concise in his speech. And it was a super, like, at times hard interview. And then you'll, it's, I like it as like a larger piece because the first half we're kind of struggling through it. And I think in a normal radio or any sort of thing with production value, that would have been edited out and you would have restarted. But I, but then in the second half, me and Miles kind of really develop this narrative and he kind of opens up. And I think it's rarer and rarer in today's media to hear people who are not necessarily opinionated or to hear people who are kind of formulating their thoughts and opinions live as it happens. So if I think if you step back and look at that Miles episode, it's kind of it's it may be boring to listen to at times or perhaps I'm just shitting on Miles here. But I think overall as a piece, it's super neat. And I would actually like to have more kind of introverted people who you would never find yourself having like an hour one-on-one conversation with on the show because i think it is just a unique medium to allow that to happen so i encourage you to kind of peruse the miles episode and you know view it from like how often do you hear things like this or how often do you really get to dig into that introvert and make them speak on air live to a bunch of people public on the internet um in my life, the last couple of weeks, my parents were just in town, and I uh, put them to work building signs, building little free libraries. My uh, parents stayed on the boat a few nights, and uh, at one point tipped the canoe coming over, which was uh, the high point of their trip or their adventure. They were fine. They managed to swim, but I, I actually laughed a lot about it, and so did they. Um, but all around, my parents had a great time. They've been here bunch of times now and kind of like know the lay of the land in your life which makes them visiting each time a little easier that there's like you know two weeks would be a long time i think with my parents if they weren't just independent and kind of knew the town and ready to go about but uh i like showing them around and it was kind of like good end to summer i want to say as things are winding down and i have my last few airbnb guests on here and they will probably be getting chilly uh, and have to start lighting the stove in august um a little bit in regards to the podcast i i'm thinking that uh as summer goes out and i release these episodes the view listener count it goes down a little or maybe it's just going down a little in general but who knows we'll 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 get to see it in the fall um i think people just don't have as much time to listen to podcasts in summer myself included you know i definitely stopped listening to as many mediums and watching as much tv um But that doesn't really bother me at all because I've been thinking more about this kind of experiment. And this project to me is not really about releasing things for the present. It's about kind of capturing a point in time of, you know, me carrying on in this boat and my, you know, life in Yellowknife in 2018, 2019, 2020. And I love the idea of finding this in 30 years and going like, oh, yeah, I forgot I did that and re-listening to all these or my kids finding it and being like, oh, wow, like that's a really interesting point in time capture of Yellowknife and all of these people. Um, and I was talking to my brother about this and he was talk- saying like he really likes how I'm interviewing like, you know, I'm not interviewing doctors or lawyers or like people who are like doing amazing things. I'm just interviewing like 
friends and people in the community are just living their lives and it's another one of those like it's not necessarily exciting media or whatever but it's rare in that you don't usually just get people talking about their day-to-day -day lives you know or you don't listen to it so i think overall at the end of this project i'm gonna have something that i'll really like to reflect on and maybe do something else with again in 10 20 30 years who knows um so that being said, I really don't care if you listen to them <laughs> now, but uh, if you subscribe, you know, maybe you'll listen to them in 10 years from now. You'll go, oh, I wonder what uh, uh, Taylor Syracuse was up to in 2019. Oh, wow. Here's an episode. And uh, I also think the long-form conversation uh, really brings that out. It's, uh, it's a rare thing to hear someone talk one-on-one -on -one for an hour and even rarer to kind of have those conversations. Perhaps not so much for my next guest, who uh, most certainly likes to talk and most certainly has uh, lots of things to say about lots of things. So uh, without further ado, I will hop right into this episode and introduce my guest, uh, Taylor Syracuse. Can you do us a favor and uh, ring the ship's bell? My pleasure. Oh, yeah. We are live on Dispatches from the Scandamaniac. Uh, Taylor, welcome to the Scandamaniac. What are your thoughts on the boat? Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. There's a lot of wood, which is nice. I had to have a laugh as you reflected on your last episode and talked about inviting more introverts onto the show. Uh, I don't think many people would consider me an introvert. Um, no, most certainly not. Yeah. I, uh, I think when you moved here, uh, I'd already been here quite a while, and you, within like six months, knew twice as many people as me, or twice as many people knew who you were. Uh, you were very good at opening conversations up to strangers. I've had a lot of practice. <laughs> um, so Taylor, I guess maybe I'd like to just summarize how we know each other and what we've been up to. Give some listeners some context to this. Yeah. You want to you wanna do the honor of summarizing that? Sure. Uh, I believe your couch, and couch is a very generous term. <laughs> That uh, palette, the palette structure that I palette made. Structure that it was I, pretty nice. Well, I, it was it was not initially when I went to jump on it the first time <laughs> to find that the couch was indeed a stack of pallets with a blanket on it. Mm -hmm. uh, but your your couch was the first that I stayed on in Yellowknife um, because you were living with my very good friend Mark Rendell, who uh, is an old Yellowknifer, was up here for about I guess three years probably. Yeah, I give or take. Yeah, I feel like Mark, I mean, maybe this just goes with journalists and journalists who write a lot of, like, good pieces in long form. Like, his mark on Yellowknife, uh, pun intended, was uh, much longer than his stay. But I think he was here three, four years. And Yeah. I mean, journalists just, like, inherently have to talk to everyone, so. <laughs> yes, yeah. As well as, you know, making a mark, being a musician himself and, and being in lots of projects while he was up here and being known through that as well. But yeah, you were living with him at the time at the government dock and on the uh, stairs up to the dinosaur museum. Yeah, yeah. Our old di dinosaur museum. And I stayed with you. And subsequently, we made a few Dead North films together and just have gone around to shenanigans here and there. That is absolutely for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um, maybe we can jump into Dead North. I think we should just hop right into it. I uh, I've talked about Dead North a bit on this podcast. I seem to like... For the, I love Dead North on so many levels. There's a lot I, to love. I, uh, I think the festival is, is so much larger than the film end products. Like it's just, 
it's such a celebration of amateurism that I just love it. And I love it. it's just unapologetic in like, yeah, we're playing every movie like, you know. Yeah. Um, so we uh, we made Arsenic Wars together. One and well, I don't think they're numbered at this point. They're <laughs> yeah, one I and two, like, I guess. Yeah, one and two, but I don't know if in the long term that will make sense. No, definitely not. No. Um. Yeah, maybe you can just reflect on. So you you've made other films, but can you kind of just still for me what you think makes Dead North kind of special? Because we also have Yellowknife International Film Festival, and I know I don't think many people talk about it with the same kind of like passion of like I feel like I'm a part of Dead North, you know? Well, well Dead North like it's a filmmakers festival, right? Yeah. Like it's it's not a film festival in the traditional sense of like you bring you you have these finished products that were made to go to any given festival like people make specifically for dead north which is like you know i i'm i'm not aware of many other festivals like it yeah for sure um in the film world and you know i've always described it as like kind of it's it's kind of like going to karaoke you know <laughs> yeah, like yeah. it's you're going to see like the worst stuff to the best stuff but like the audience is there to like support it all you know and like you know like a good karaoke bar you know like you know it's it's you're at a shit karaoke bar when no one's cheering for the person who like genuinely sucked you know that's just not cruel like that's not the part no of the it's fun. a karaoke bar where everyone wants everyone to succeed and you yeah. know half the people there yeah 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 <laughs> um, um i think this is my other favorite part about dead north is the like seeing films and seeing people and then you see those people in town it just like reinforces the culture of like you're sitting in a meeting and it's like oh i just watched you get your head cut off last week like you yeah, know yeah. it makes a nice familiarity well i know and it's it's just so much more than that weekend because i know jay and pablo who are the pr producers of the festival um and both filmmakers in town um like if not the filmmakers in town though they're doing a very good job of putting other people in front of them at this Amen. point um yeah they they uh you know they've talked about seeing like just driving around in december and january and seeing like the shoots <laughs> like you know us in front of the gold range with a snowmobile and like a samurai sword and, you know like you know another person down i don't know like at the you know the at frame lake and they're getting their heads chopped off or you know simulated yeah, in, you know, in minus forty, just like powering through it. Yeah, and uh, I remember when we were doing Arsenic Wars with Pat Kane filming, and it's like we we had the little steady cam, and it's like I don't we went through a battery like every two minutes, you know. Well, we had we had <laughs> I think double thermal socks with hand warmers wrapped around the battery, and they yeah. were still getting chewed through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just fighting the elements at every step of the way. Yeah, and you know that's I think people come up to. Yellowknife in a way to do that and like there's there's often like when you come up to Yellowknife it's kind of to prove yourself to yourself that you can do that you know I don't know if people who come up necessarily just for government jobs or whatever are necessarily have that well did you have like uh, that's something that was for me was like there was there was some kind of like uh, needing to prove to myself that I could make it through a winter when I initially moved up here that was a narrative that I followed at least is that something that you experienced? Uh, 
I, I don't think I had that mentality, but I think it, it like then becomes reinforced because you just have so many conversations about winter and the weather that it's like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Like you made it through your first winter. Oh, you made it through your second. Like, oh, you made it through your third. It's like, you know, yeah. like you can make it through winter now. Like, <laughs> yeah, becomes a test. But I, I don't know. if I, I think I was just spent so much time at ski hills that winter never scared me. I, I, I love winter. You know? Yeah. I think maybe to my first introduction to the Northwest Dawson City back in like 2014, which was two years before I came here. Yeah. And uh, they have this, uh, what do they call it? Uh, sourdoughs and chickchacos is like yeah. this terminology about people who like have only been up there for the summer and then people who made it through the whole year. Yeah. You know, and like there's there's all this lore around like what makes you someone who can say that you've lived in Dawson, you know. The people who only go up there for the summer don't get that title, you know. And it's like very much something that's like pushed in the general psyche of the town. Yeah, I think that makes complete sense. And and perhaps more so in Dawson, which has such a summer population versus winter population, where I feel like at some point in Yellowknife, it's like, yeah, you get it. You, you're here. You survive the winter. Like, you know, stop. <laughs> Just stop bitching about it or whatever. Yeah. Um, I, I, for me, I think the my theory on people, like if I'm going to pick people who are going to get stuck in Yellowknife like I have, it's... People who had lived quite a few other places probably traveled a bit and like were kind of like when they come up here, we're unsure. But, you know, it's like you, you've reached the end of the road. So this is where you get stuck. Like I, that's my theory for people who get stuck up here. And that's why that story of like, oh, I came up on a four month contract. It's like people testing it out, but like not really sure what they want to do with their life are primed to be like, Oh wow, the community got you. Now you're stuck. That's that's my ongoing theory of who gets stuck in Yellowknife. Yeah, yeah. It's a, I've I've never really thought of that to be honest. Uh, never really taken the time to think like who who and why. Yeah, well, and I think almost more so than anywhere else, like people don't move here with intention. Like people move to Vancouver. Like I'm moving to Vancouver. I've always wanted to, and this is where I'm gonna live for five years. Everyone who comes up to Yellowknife's like, you know, I'm just testing it out, you know? Yeah. Cause they're unsure where else they want to go. And then that like uncertainty, like solidifies that, like, you know, we'll pull you in. That's my, <laughs> that's my theory that's of people true. who get stuck. Yeah. If you come up here with too much intention, like, Oh, I'm coming up for two years. And it's like, then you're probably gonna, well, who knows? Yeah. Yeah. But as far as you know my for me the whole coming up and like being having this mentality of like i'm gonna like see if i can survive this winter that i can do this and you know i'm you know you're from interior so you actually got snow i'm from vancouver victoria like that's where i grew up like you get snow for a week at best yeah and, exactly you know the whole city shut down <laughs> in two inches it'd be dumb like that um but i think with dead north like it really like Maybe I'm just making a huge assumption that a bunch of people have this had have had this intention when coming up here. And maybe, you know, I'm one of the rare few who has had this like I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna make it through the winter. <laughs> but I feel dead north, like, you know, even reading the description that Jay and Pablo leave, like when you sign up, that's all like you know, it's gonna be grueling, it's gonna be terrible, you're gonna be shooting in minus forty. You know, part of that is like, okay, like this this is this fits with my vision of like being able to tough doing these kind of extreme things yeah i i 
I mean, I'm sure everyone has that to some extent, but I, it's definitely exasperated by the fact that you're from Vancouver, Victoria, as you say. Like, I don't, at the end of the day, if you've, like, grew up in Winnipeg, it's like, winter's pretty hard. Well, the funny thing is, though, like, I was in Halifax for six years, right? Yeah. And, like, I objectively think Halifax winter is worse than, than Yellowknife winter um, in, in how the cold affects your body and like and just the general attitude towards it like i feel like people here know how to do winter well so it makes it a little bit more bearable with things like dead north and the snow castle you know um and you know the amount of people who cross-country ski and the amount of like community that like comes together and supports each other through like the mental health like mind fuck that is winter (laughs) yeah amen you know um so you know it's funny, Halifax now, I look back and go, wait, those were way harder winters. But there was there was something, some again, like mythology to the north for me. Um, so I, I, had, I was no, you know, stranger to winter when I moved up here. But I think, you know, the, the, the whole short days and, you know, that... I think you, at least I, this is how I came. Like, I kind of did my research, but, you know, I, I wasn't sure if Yellowknife meant, like, 24 hours darkness, you know what I meant? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I knew it got really dark during the winter, you know? So. Um, you've also, you're, you're presently on the Watermelon House boat. You've yes. been on and off for that for a while now. Yeah. And Natasha's boat, I guess I should refer to it as. It is her boat. <laughs> not, my my partner, yeah. Not I, yours. Um <laughs> I yeah, I have not sunk a penny into that boat. Um yeah, maybe you could just kinda of talk about that too, because I feel like that's another like how do you like the houseboat life? Why Why did you end up there? <laughs> so honestly the only time I've actually been living on the houseboat is the last few weeks. Um, and I, I leave soon to go to grad school in Toronto. Um, so, you know, I've, of course, we've spent a lot of time out there. You know, Natasha and I have been dating for more than a year and a half now. And, you know, in the, that time, I've, I've spent a lot of time on the houseboat. But, uh, but yeah, living there is a new thing. Um, I, find, I find it tough. Um, I don't... Uh, more and more I feel comfortable more more and more comfortable with it but um you know the canoeing definitely felt daunting at first um for me uh having been used to a kayak and like trying to canoe solo or so or with with Max which is Natasha's dog who is a sweetheart but also like you know doesn't get weight distribution. <laughs> Doesn't get weight distribution. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Diplomatic way to put it. Um, so, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, the canoeing was daunting, and I'm getting more and more used to that and more and more comfortable in the water and strong winds and such and um, with, with Max Aroni. And, but, yeah, the, the, it's, it's, it's been interesting because I haven't landed in Yellowknife. I've only been here. I've been here for let's say, well, since the 7th of July, and uh, we'll leave on the 26th, 27th of August. So I've only had, you know... Is Natasha leaving too? No, she's staying. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So Who's we? You? Just... 
Did I say we? <laughs> yeah, okay. Yeah. So, well... You and yourself. You and my, me, myself, and I. Yeah, so... Um, it's kind of bizarre having, having, you know, come... We just came back from a giant trip. Here's more context. There you go. We just came back from a six-month trip uh, where we kind of, in short, drove out to the East Coast and then flew to England and then flew to Cyprus and then hitchhiked from Cyprus back to, back to France before returning here. Is kind of the it's a lot in between the Cyprus and France. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, so having come back from that, trying to find my footing in Yellowknife, but the whole time kind of being uh, poised to leave, you know, and trying to figure out how I'm leaving. You know, I, I still don't know two three weeks from now i'm hopefully buying a car on thursday but that's not guaranteed you know so i have no idea how i'm getting to toronto yet uh so yeah it's it's been stressful to share the small space with like the added challenges of like getting to and from and like you know getting to the houseboat and having none of our stuff and wanting to do work but not knowing trying to find the balance of what stuff we bring on the boat before we start some work, what stuff we don't bring on the boat. You know what I mean? What do you mean by work? Like working on the boat? On the or? boat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's been a long overdue expansion that's been, that's yeah, been yeah, planned. Yeah. I've been watching it for <laughs> long overdue. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. The, the houseboats, um, you know, you know, having breakfast on a calm day on the couch, you know, when you have nothing to do that day is like flipping magical, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I think for me, I won't be entirely comfortable on the boat till like the expansion happens because 12 by 12 footprint, one and a half stories, yeah, yeah. two people and, and a, and a large German shepherd mix. That's just insane. Really? Yeah. So, yeah, the watermelon's one of the hot, smallest houses on the boat. Like, I, it's 12 by 12. Well, 12 by 12. Sorry, and Seb were in there, two people too. Did they have a dog? I don't know. But it was just like, that was a lot. Yeah. That's a, it's a relationship breaker living in a 12 by 12 space. You yeah. Know? <laughs> and it has been stressful, you know. I think, if anything, you know, me and Natasha just breezed through six months of traveling 24-7 together. And I think the last few weeks have been kind of like some That's of the funny. Weeks. That's even, yeah. Honestly. You know, and like we're at no risk of ending the relationship. We love each other like so much, and like, you know, it's none of it's not worth working through. But yeah, it's been like a tense few weeks. <laughs> well, know. and there's also this, I think, come down from traveling, which is like, yeah, so many aspects of a person's personality or your personality aren't really relevant to traveling. You know, like it's. I remember my friend uh, saying like him, him and his partner like traveled the whole world. And, like, it spent years, like, cycling, and then they, like, got an apartment together, and he realized that, like, his partner was really OCD about where everything was in the house. And this just, like, never came up, because when they were traveling, and you're yeah. biking, and you're camping and dirty, it was just, like... Yeah, they've you know, got, the partners got their own bike, so they get yeah. to figure out, they're not going to bother what's happening with the other bike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then it was like, oh, we're sharing a house, and I'm, like, getting in trouble for, like, where things are. It's funny. Um, yeah, maybe you can talk a bit about your travels and I'd, I'd more so like to talk about traveling in general. So like you went on a six month trip with your partner. I, I mean, why? Like what was the, the thought process between you two deciding this is a good idea? Yeah. So I don't know if we ever actually agreed that it was a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
I think we were like a few months into the relationship. Um, Natasha's been doing school in Switzerland. She's an expressive arts therapist, uh, which for the listener is essentially just all the art therapies combined into one where you kind of skip between the modalities. And yeah, I took a couple art therapy classes with her. It was great. It's yeah. so much fun. It's super cool. It's stuff. like going to kindergarten, really. Yeah. For adults. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is like how, you know, uh, without getting deep into it, like how healing is that, you know, <laughs> yeah. to be able to go back to kindergarten. I think a lot of us need to go back to kindergarten. <laughs> yeah. Um, and relearn some, like, things. Some fundamentals, yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, she's, she's been doing that in Switzerland because the only other school that does a master's in this, in this field is in California and California is more expensive than Switzerland. So there you go. That's funny. Um, yay, the state of American education. (laughs) Yeah. Switzerland being one of the most expensive countries in the world, still cheaper to do your master's there. Yeah. So yeah, we... You know, we knew she was going back there for her third and final semester. Um, And, uh, you know, because the program's three years, uh, three months in Switzerland, the rest is kind of done by distance. So we knew she was going back for that. Um, She'd been wanting me to go on some, like, smaller trips with her prior to that. And I've generally, well, for the 10 years prior to this trip, had, had pretty much essentially banned any commercial flight um from trying to live in you know uh uh trying to reduce my hypocrisy (laughs) Um, (laughs) and 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 kind of leave less of an environmental footprint i guess so let me so you was this your first time like going to europe or across the continent leaving the continent in i've hitched so yeah back in so Let's see, 2009 was my first big trip. I was like 18, yeah. uh, going on 19, and flew to Singapore and then traveled across the, uh, okay. all the way to Germany, um, okay. and that was shitloads of flying, and then lived in Germany for a while and did a bunch of like European small flights, and then and then had this you know 19-year-old epiphany that I was like this horrible gas guzzling, like, do I actually give a shit about the environment? So I said, okay, I'm taking one last flight to, from Halifax or from France to Halifax where I was going to start school. And I said, I'm going to try and avoid commercial flights. Um, and yeah, essentially did so uh, over the next 10 years. Yeah. Um, uh, I flew from Halifax to Ontario and back for my grandma's funeral. Figured that was appropriate. Yeah, yeah. And uh, one Thanksgiving had the chance to, uh, you know, uh, fly a small, you know, two person plane and didn't want to give a chance to fly a plane up. So I, I went and did that. And those planes use as much gas as like a Ford F-150. So <laughs> I was fine. I, I have no qualms about getting a Ford F-150 if I need to. So I figured, again, don't be a hypocrite. Um, and and then I... And then a longer story was I some friends and I got, like, stuck in a part of, like, Bolivia and needed to continue our trip. So we took, like, a military cargo plane from Bolivia to, like, the border of, of, of Brazil. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, other than those three instances over the 10 years, I went across Canada, I think eight times, hitchhiked to Bolivia and back essentially all over land and sea. Um, Such a dirty hippie. Just... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I question whether, I like it. I like it a lot. I don't know whether this is limiting your hypocrisy. Well, maybe it is. You're just really like leaning into the motif. Like, I'm, <laughs> you're committed, committed to the identity, I guess. I guess so. I don't, I'm not, I don't know. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, essentially, you know, with Natasha, I, I said, look, if we go on a long trip, I'm like willing to, to go and then. You know, we started floating around ideas, figured where to play, like where places. So that was step go. one. You had to agree to fly like yeah. somewhere neat. I like that. that had to negotiation had to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And step two was where were we flying to? And I kind of was like, well, s- somewhere we can get to Switzerland from. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, I, I kind of agreed to a flight there and a flight back. Um, we did have a layover in London. Uh, where we where we spent a week in England because you know we were having to fly there anyway. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but essentially, yeah, we we that was that was how that came about was this idea of like she had not done a big backpacking trip before. I had done a few. She wanted to try that out. We also knew that it would be like a really good test on our relationship. That's for sure. Um, and kind of a make or break thing. Um, and, and it worked out splendidly. Um, I'm happy to report. (laughs) Um, and yeah, it's, it was, um, that would, that's kind of the grounds on which the trip happened. Um, I feel like it, it was only like a few months before or about a month before the trip that Natasha was like, kind of brought up that she's all like, I don't even think like. I don't know why I'm going on this trip. <laughs> and I'm like, shit, what? <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> you know. So I think we both had very different experiences leading up to how and why and what the trip was about and having direction for it. You know, for me, it was always about like exploring the relationship and also knowing that I was applying to grad school, figuring that, you know, it was going to be the last time in a few years that I'd be able to piss off and yeah you're, go on an adventure it's funny you're jumping into like six months traveling which is no easy to living in a square footage to then doing a long distance relationship you're just trying to put every get all of the hard parts done early <laughs> good well it's funny it's like both of us you know natasha's um six years my senior so like uh and you know um and exponentially more mature. <laughs> I'll, I'll let the listeners decide. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, yeah, yes. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, you know, we've talked, you know, I think part of it is like we've talked family. Like the two of us are like kind of in both in the first relationship that we've bothered talking about family and marriage you know, previous to this, neither of us had had a relationship. I think to be <laughs> this, this, this might uh, raise some eyebrows, but I think before neither of us had been in a relationship that's lasted over a year, yeah. you know? So this is our, both of our longest relationship. 
both of our first relationship we talked kids and marriage um because i don't think we had previously met anyone that 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 felt like an appropriate conversation to have uh and you know this is not poohooing on my past partners who i i they might not say the same about me but i would <laughs> say that they've all been like amazing incredible people so yeah i think i would i could say i think i could generalize that we both suffer from the same issue where we date people who are way better than us <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always in relationships. And I'm like, what is this person doing? Like, oh my God. Do they not know? Do you have to tell them? Like, why? Why are you dating me? Have they not, have they not talked to their friends? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, in, in that respect, um, th- this, is, this is like, this relationship in the territory we're swimming through is like so brand new to us. Um, so... Um, I don't know why. The Northwest Territory. So. <laughs> yeah, the Northwest Territory. So yeah, I like. I don't know why it's it's. You know, we've we've decided that. You know, it, it hasn't really been a decision. I think it's just happened, which is just like this. Let's travel six months and then move into a twelve by twelve footprint place, and then, and then try long distance. Um, it's all kind of wild and new. Uh, and, and, you know, I think we're, I think Natasha would agree that I think we're dealing with it pretty well. Uh, we're, we're, we've yet to see what long distance will look like, but, um, to be fair, Natasha's not new to it because her other partner is in Kingston. So like that's, uh, in that respect, she's been doing long distance with, with him for five years now. So she's. She's got it on lock. It'll be very new for me, though. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, Okay, perhaps we can break down Taylor Syracuse philosophy. I'm going to make some... I'm going to make my summary here. Uh, There's a few things I'd like to unpack. One is this, like, you're definitely an adventurer in that you, like, always are doing things, and you're doing rather interesting things, and you, you know, you seem to go on a trip a lot, which gets into this like i question the benefit of travel sometimes when it's like escapism Mm -hmm. i'm gonna talk for like a minute here about positing my theories one i I was talking we were kind of talking about this before of like the problem with like trying to escape is that wherever you travel to you're still there like you know you can't escape yourself yeah um but then i also think there's this really interesting so i can't stand people who are just constantly romanticizing traveling and it's like oh i get to experience other cultures and it's like motherfucker we live in Yellowknife. like if i want to go like hang out with my filipino friends i can if i want to go to the muslim islam islamic center i can like you know we live in such a multicultural city and country that like you don't have to go anywhere to like and you can and you can get way more genuine experiences than you do backpacking through thailand like you know Mm -hmm. go make some thai friends (laughs) yeah 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 um, so that's one of my other issues with the like romanticizing of tourism culture. I feel like a lot of the actual cultural experiences people are talking about are like shallow and they're not f- just forming friendships when they could, especially if you live in Toronto, like, you know, well, it, why do you have to go anywhere? <laughs> and Yellowknife is, is I think even better than Toronto because I, I think there is actually less segregation amongst oh, absolutely. the international like, community and the, yeah. and the rest of us sh- schleps. <laughs> So that's one of my rants about people who travel too much. But my other rant is that I think if you're never putting down roots, 
is that you don't build community and you don't really get involved in your community and like form these relationships, which I'd like to talk to you about because I don't think applies to you at all. Like you're one of those people who got to Yellowknife, you play in a bunch of bands, like you, you know, you were an adult educator, you worked at Yackle, mm -hmm. like you like just immediately like form a community and I and I said this like you know more people in Yellowknife than me like you're just very good at like so you I, I I would assume and actually I know that you value that too so perhaps that was a lot of me just rambling you could kind of talk about how you feel those and now there's this interesting thing of like you're leaving to go to Toronto for two years so like mm -hmm. it's kind of like starting all over again mm -hmm. in Toronto which I have a lot of issues because I think you kind of pointed it to it's like it's hard to make a truly multicultural community despite it being Toronto. Like, mm -hmm. I just find you end up hanging out with other white, shitty hipsters all the time unless you really make an effort not to. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah and I I, uh, I have about 100 white, shitty hipster friends in Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I kid, I actually have some of the people I love the most in yeah, the I, world I, in Toronto. <laughs> um, but Mark, but, I love you, Mark. Mark and, and I, I honestly like some of my my best friends, uh, Mark and Rendell included, are in Toronto right now. So yeah. like, um, yeah, it's it's I'm going to go to Toronto to friends and family that are you know uh, not encouraging that diversity that we might trick ourselves into interacting with when we go travel or 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 even when we say we're going to do so at home. Yeah, it's it's. Um, yeah, you brought up a, a bunch of interesting points. So yeah, um, let's start with kind of commu community or, or how I how I think about community. So yeah. like yeah, I I had a realization several years ago that you know um, there was a lot of hypocrisy around talking and speaking to community without actually building roots in a place. Um, yeah, you, you, you can't fully be a part of the community if, if you know and other people know that you're going to leave. Yeah. Um, a difficult thing in Yellowknife. Yeah. For sure. Because there is so much transience. Well, and I think it, there's a lot of... It creates a mistrust in Yellowknife because you, you're always meeting people who have one foot in and one foot out. And it's like, mm -hmm. A, you don't really want to form that relationship and you just don't value their opinion because it's like you're not willing to stick it out when it's shitty, you know? Mm -hmm. or the actual roots which are the work yeah um yeah it's especially apparent here because it's transient and it is difficult in the winter like you know yeah. you have to make those efforts yeah i'm having i'm having like a, a related thought where i'm thinking about like how i have this feeling of like debt to Yellowknife and like the north for all it's given me and i'm wondering if like the people who stay going like referring back to the earlier conversation maybe my theory is that the people who stay have a debt complex <laughs> they, uh, you know it's a bunch of people who have a strong sense of indebtedness uh, yeah this is another like uh theme that has come up in Yellowknife I think um uh, people who leave uh, Jimmy uh, Thompson is leaving journalist uh, sp spent years in the north worked in Hay River as a journalist you know writes for the Narwhal about the north like was saying like it's the first place I've left where like I want to leave but I feel bad for leaving, for leaving. Like, <laughs> I, yeah like I feel like I'm and I keep like 
he's you know meg and clark are librarian and they're leaving together and i keep giving him shit like not only are you leaving you're taking our best librarian with you like yeah, you great. should feel bad yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is, I don't think that, like, that doesn't happen other places. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that theory aside, yeah, community, community. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. We got to keep a little bit of it. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. And I want, you know, I, I like this idea of why do people stay. So I figured I'd, I'd refer back to it. Yeah, so community, like, I, I recognize that, you know, uh, roots are roots are important especially in a place any bit larger than than Yellowknife you know um it takes a long time to build roots in a city like Halifax or where it's just another place that I've said I've lived or Victoria which is home and like you know it's it's potentially theoretically impossible to lay roots in Toronto you know in in the way that we're talking community maybe you can lay roots in like the young street area yeah in a community within toronto yeah but it's impossible to do so in in in, uh in in toronto i think proper um which is an interesting question and i think you know not to derail this because i think there was a lot of interesting things you touched on that i want to get back to but you know it's it's an argument uh a theoretical argument for the 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 further localization of politics because you know and and relating back to people's agency it's like you know i don't want to vote in a toronto election <laughs> you know like, yeah what the fuck does that mean you know like i want to make sure that i'm voting in my community where i like can keep track of who my fellow constituents are you know um and and yeah anyhow that's 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 a whole nother conversation i am um, which I'm sure you have a bunch to say about as well. Um, but yeah, laying roots is, is such an interesting thing and, and, and to do. I don't know. Like I tried to do it in Halifax and then, you know, some interpersonal shit hit the fan and I was like, okay, I'm out. Peace. I'm going north. You know, yeah. um, so, uh, you know I, I felt like I was, but I, it, it did feel like a breakup with the city. You know, it was like, you know, we're not growing together anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's become toxic Halifax. Yeah, yeah. So there, there, there I came, there I went. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 so, gosh, there's so much to unpack with what you, with your, like, first, your first set of thoughts. I think, you know, what we're ultimately chasing is is in these two questions of traveling is like authentic relationships and authentic relationships to things that are different than than our own experience and um you know for all the identity politics that that were that that are floating around i think specifically the rich people that do and can afford to travel are actually pretty shit at making those connections. And I think maybe that's why they continue to chase it. That maybe that's why people are like continually going on these travels, like these giant, giant trips. Um, because they're like hoping that like by going to the place that they're finally going to make these deep connections with something different. Yeah. 
and they're doing it all wrong. Absolutely. And yeah. um, I think there's also something to be said about trying to get that at home as well, which I think is easier. But I think when we actually come face to face with it, it kind of scares us. And we don't fully commit. We run back to what's familiar. Yeah, I think that's completely fair. And I think um, it's... Uh, well, And that's why it's so interesting to me that it's consistently like romanticized, but then executed very poorly in that... And this isn't the case for everyone, but like... I, so I worked at a law firm in Bangkok and... It inevitably in you know working day a nine to five job and being bored and bullshitting with my coworkers about like you know like oh how's your kid doing in school and like you mm-hmm. know doing shitty office birthday parties it's like i had a much more real thai experience than anyone traveling but it wasn't and i created good friendships and connections but there's like nothing really exciting about it it's like mm-hmm. I think the the way to make those connections is to go there and you almost just live a normal life, you know? Because <laughs> it's really... If you're just running around, like, you know, getting drunk on the beach or, like, going on exciting adventures, it's like you're living a life that's kind of detached from how you live life, you know? Yeah. It's not, that's not a day-to-day for anyone there or for you in your normal life, you know? Yeah, normal. yeah. Yeah, no, it's it's these like cultural, you know, it's 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 the Aurora, you know, village cultural tour, which is like our people actually going like dog sledding each day and like sitting yeah. out and like, you know, watching the northern lights and teepees. It's like like that isn't the Yellowknife life because we all have to work the next day. Yeah, exactly. So we can't go dog mushing. And and to be fair, a lot of Yellowknifers do a very good job of like fitting the northern lights and dog mushing into their lives, but you know, I think it is, you know, again, we're, we surround ourselves with people who manage to do that. I think that the majority of Yellowknifers don't, you know, as similarly, the majorities of Thai people don't, you know, go and make their, you know, make these traditional Thai dishes. They they go and grab something to eat, you <laughs> yeah. know, on the way home and, yeah, you know. Exactly. They're not, they're not going to the, the Thai Bangkok palace because it's there and it's always been there and, you know, it'll be there till they die and maybe they, they won't ever get to see it, you know? Yeah, it's, it's a funny thing. Yeah. But you, as far as, you know, um, like, you know, yeah, so here, here we're having this conversation about not actually engaging with, with the, the, um, uh, the places that you travel to and like so how does this fit into like the travels Natasha and I did like so I think one of the things that I've learned traveling is definitely like the more the longer you stay in a single place the more you can actually grab onto these experiences that we often are like looking for yeah, and again, it's relation to the different. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think, unfortunately, that's a lot less sexy than, like, the checklist travel, which is, like, you know, I've been to 113 <laughs> countries, you know. I hate that when people, like, how many countries have you been to? It's like, oh, like, you're just... <laughs> But the like, premise of the question is wrong. Like, but like, honestly, like, 
I I still find that sexy. <laughs> I still find it as like this is the problem is I still find it a sexy question. I you know, we spent two months in Turkey, one of those months in Istanbul and like, you know, forms met some really, really cool people as a result and had the, the parlay with the bakery that was around the corner from the apartment we rented and things like this, you know. And at the same time, coming back from the, like, flying back on the plane, I was like, damn, I only went to, like, four new countries, you know? <laughs> yeah, like, you... <laughs> you know, it's brutal. It's brutal, you know? And and I think, you know, maybe this just, this just goes back to, like, kind of our cultural, uh, Western general cultural values to, like, consume and, like, bigger is better type thing. Um, but, it's, yeah, it's really hard to fight that shit like so deep yeah and, and it's almost well and i think this is a you're another good person to talk to about this in that it's like it's also kind of related to this like going somewhere and like being there to post instagram photos and like always take selfies and like doing it as an exhibitionist thing it's like i'm traveling to 40 different countries so i can tell that fact to other people and seem more cultured yeah which is like to me i run into those people everywhere in life where they're doing things to like then you have that fact to carry in their pocket to kind of feel superior and they're not going to like i I like your wording of like experience the different because when you're experiencing something different the goal is to then see how you react as a person and reflect on that and it's a learning experience like you know i don't know like if you place me in kazakhstan tomorrow like how i act in that because i just don't even have the enough like points of reference to know and then by experiencing that like i gain a new fact about myself how i think but if you're just like hopping you know to little places and never really like pushing the comfort zone or really engaging the different such that it causes you to react in an unexpected way yeah it's like you're just not (laughs) what have you done nothing really yeah 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 totally you well, posted a bunch of pictures and who cares and, and you know i don't think you know i think we both know that the the travelers who go and and just do so without you know like resort style traveling and and honestly like we've been to a few resorts it's been a wonderful week. yeah and you know it's been like really nice but like not as it it, it it's I would call that a vacation, right? Yeah, and perhaps I really don't... Like, this conversation can really sound up pretentious. I have no issue with the going to the all-inclusive resort and reading 10 books and drinking at the bar and it's a vacation because, you know, we all need to escape from our life and especially when you live up here, it's a, you know, if you're lucky enough to, like, go on a vacation in the middle of winter, it's a great fucking thing, you know? Yeah. not discounting that. (laughs) I have some, like, you know, pretentious, like, environmentalist issues Uh, with it, but... You know, uh, no, this is the guy who won't fly a plane. Yeah, sorry, I, I should not. Well, maybe we can go here in this. Yeah, make, make I, I have a lot of, of issues with this environmental movement that is really pushes the personal responsibility. Yeah, yeah as yeah, if yeah. me as a consumer, I have to decide to stop taking flights because that's the proper step to fight climate change, and it just drives me mental this like personal responsibility thing that gets pushed because it like it's it's used i think often to be like sound morally superior and shame people and yet we all know that if you take like 60 corporations you know you're 
oil corporations mostly or some of your mass factory whatever corporations yeah. they're responsible for 90 percent of our carbon like it's yeah. <laughs> like oh, go and... pick bp and so and shell and yeah. it's like everyone you know could stop flying and it doesn't even make a dent so like why do we keep pushing this personal responsibility thing that was my rant yeah, <laughs> yeah. no it's a great rant uh 19 year old taylor didn't know that <laughs> um and 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 really did feel that personal responsibility uh 20 how old am i now 28 yes <laughs> there we go um 28 year old taylor does know that like and, and and recognizes that and you know am less shitty to my parents when they go to mexico for a week um i still kind of think into them that like you know that like maybe a week is maybe they should extend their trip and 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 make that request you know and and more so we talk about you know how to engage in in the in the culture and like more more genuinely and like how to support what to what steps to take so your money is going to locals rather than like or what's a what's a sandals let's say yeah you know which pays their workers yes maybe better than the average rate of work but like again we know we we both of us know the issues right absolutely um so like uh yeah, it's it's um, what to say. I think you know I'm going to still continue to l- figure out ways to limit my carbon footprint, um, regardless of like the very like valid point that you just brought up. Because I think in general, you know, the the life choices we make do affect. Like ultimately, okay, how to say this? This this actually ties back to community, right? Because ultimately, if I'm someone who wants to live a less consumptive life, you know, and that is something that works for me and does make me happier, and I'm in a community where people can witness that, and I'm modeling a greater level of like honest and healthy living through through a reduction in consumption which is both i do think is is good better for my health and better for the overall health of the world yeah yeah. (laughs) you know um i think there is a ripple effect there i really do um is that going to reach the so people uh maybe not in time right but i think if you're going to categorically decide whether it's like let's say the better or worse thing to do i think it is ultimately better to have you know the the values that you'd like reflected in the powers above you reflected like be be start with yourself you know yeah and i i would ag- i agree like 100% in that and i i actively live it i mean um (laughs) i guess my larger issue there is that i think what happens is that it reinforces this like false narrative that in order to 
you know, reduce our carbon footprint or fight climate change, we have to make sacrifice. And I actually just don't think like that's just not objectively true. We could make key policy choices that would actually not even innate to me are not even sacrifice. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. we can start like investing in rail and creating better public transport. And it's like the exact opposite of sacrifice. We can just make a better society or better city that is way reduced carbon footprint that has zero sacrifice to it. It only comes with benefit. And so this like, when people, I, I like 100% think if you build a house, like, you know, get metal siding and put a metal roof on. Sure, it costs you twice as much initially, but it lasts, you know, 50 years longer mm-hmm. and you actually don't have to do any labor. And so there's actually no sacrifice there. It's just upfront investment that's logical. Yeah, yeah. And so I think as I really try to just push that narrative as much as I can that like people are always like framing it as sacrifice. Like, oh, I got to stop consuming this. And it's like, I get we don't want to consume as much, but you can consume better quality things that last longer mm-hmm. and reduce a carbon footprint. And then your life is better as a result, yep. as opposed to being like, I'm no longer going to Mexico, which is something I enjoyed, which is like. Yeah. Well, consumption, like consumption is necessary to say the least. <laughs> yeah, obviously. Um, and yeah, like I'm not, you know, uh, I, I would never even go, like, I have my, I think we probably land on similar opinions about this as, like, you know, anti-capitalists who don't think that capitalism is, like, the actual, like, entire problem. Yeah. You I, know, <laughs> right? Um, so, uh, I, I think that, am I fair in saying that would describe you as well? I, uh, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even, know. Well, I don't know. I, I, once again, don't like that language of, like, when people are like, oh, I don't, it's capitalism's problem. I'm like, yeah. what do you mean the system that has brought, like, more prosperity to the planet than anything else? It's like, I, I, <laughs> but then it becomes a semantic ep- exercise. It's like, at the end of the day, I support consumers and producers in a free market. Yeah. But the, the problems with capitalism when people are using that and, you know, the left or whatever socialists are using that is they're not actually referring to, like... They're referring to the system we have now, which is just completely screwed up and skewed a bunch of things. Yeah, like yeah. Corruption in the system. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't know. Anyways, but... <laughs> okay. So I've Without the semantics aside, I think we largely agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So yeah, I, you know, um, I think ultimately the my choice not to fly has, has actually like largely improved my life. Um, and allowed me to slow down and allowed me to like be really, really intentional with where and when I go to places and how, and how I get there. And because it's inherently slower, because I'm either hitchhiking or driving or motorbiking or whatever, trying to take, you know, hitchhiking and motorbiking preferred for me or train those three things because they are the most environmentally friendly and they, they all afford like so so much more like like personal contact with other human beings different human beings you know and different scenarios versus like the air like aero industry which is just like this shit show of people like shoving themselves into a tube and like faking a conversation in a fit of anxiety <laughs> you know when like all these horrible horrible stressors you know um yeah it's just yeah, I, that, 
I feel like the time that I've spent going from A to B has been like so much more pleasant than most of the flights that I've ever taken. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I think it's undoubtedly that the conversations you have on a train are better than a plane. Oh, conversations so you have getting picked up hitchhiking are better. And like if you're on a motorbike and you run into other people on motorbikes, like it's just like a such a good raw connection immediately. Yeah. And there's absolutely, I hate talking to people on planes. I've never talked to people on planes. Just don't talk to me. Yeah. I'm on a train. It's like, uh, I'm immediately relaxed. It's neat. I've never really thought about that, but it's, it's just true, I think. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think in general, the world, you know, I think, uh, the flying thing has made me slow down. And I think that's been a benefit, uh, for someone who likes to move fast. Um, and yeah, so it's, it's kind of, it's funny. Yeah. Like as far as the, the larger narrative around environmentalism and like, am I actually making the right choice? Uh, is this actually making a difference? No. Have I had a lot of really freaking good conversations as a result of like having done this for 10 years? Yeah. Um, and like, you know, have I had some conversations where I've made people think and, and others have made me think totally. Um, and, and then has it, has it created scenarios where I need to be more intentional with how I move and, 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 and then as, as a result, also creating different scenarios where I'm slowing down, like it's done all those things. And I think I can, you know, I'm going to fly more over this year, uh, as a result of like doing some research that's Northern based and living in Toronto, I'll, I will probably be back and forth. Um, and, you know, I'm justifying it because, you know, a lot of the justifications around, you know, the fact that, um, that it's work that is meant to improve, like, you know, people's relationship to themselves and the environment, um, and, and is, uh, needless, yeah. I'm meandering now. So anyhow, needless to say, you know, yes, there's going to be more flying. I think I'm doing it for a better reason. I'm still trying to limit the flying that I do because I think, yeah, those personal choices do, do reverberate. Um, and, uh, and at the same time, like, yeah, I, I can't agree more that we need to put like more pressure and immense amounts of pressure on like these corporations that are just mega polluters. And yeah. Amen. Um, yeah, I think that ties into really well to the kind of theme of this podcast, which is like intention, bringing kind of intention to the conversations before I, I record every episode, I kind of make a roadmap of things I'd like to talk about. And I talk about them with the guests. It also like is about slowing down and that I just, I, we live in a current society where having an hour long conversation with someone is just extremely rare and having one-on-ones is just becoming rarer and people are on their phones and it's just like, and I, so I, and you like pointing that out about like when you're hitchhiking or taking a train, it's like, that's just the pace you're at is, uh, well, it's, it's almost meditative to me or it's just like, there's so much intention and focus that it, it creates a better conversation. And I think it also ties back into what we were talking about is I struggle with this personal responsibility thing because I don't think at the end of the day, it, it's where we need to be focusing our efforts. But perhaps I'm discounting something I firmly believe in, which is like having 
long-form conversations with people you disagree with and changing their mind. And unless you're in forums, it kind of ties back to community and, Mm -hmm. like, where you can have those conversations with people who are different and, like, both of you alter your perspectives. Like, we're never going to gain that consensus to actually achieve these political goals or societal goals or whatever. So I think that all kind of ties in. I'm going to go take a piss, and then maybe you can reflect on that. I'm gonna. Should I keep talking? Yeah, sure. How about you just talk while I pee? <laughs> oh God, <laughs> What do you think about uh, bringing more intention to your life in order to enact change? That's great. So Ryan's gonna go for. A pee. I'm gonna watch him take a pee. Actually, um, I'm not gonna pretend I'm having a conversation with him. It's it's on. You have to talk. This is going to be on the internet. This is gonna be on the internet. Can I'm you not he- editing this. Can you hear him pee? Can you hear his pee stream? No, you can't. <laughs> it's not that sensitive of a mic. So, yeah, um, intention is a great part of my life. Um, Do you get exponentially worse when I'm not there? Yeah, because it's not a real conversation when you're taking a piss off the side of your boat. <laughs> no, I... This asked if I wanted to leave the mic on. This is all here. I know it's great. <laughs> it's the best part of the whole interview. In our meanderings. Um <laughs> God damn. <laughs> all right, we're back and that 3 minutes will be on the episode, Taylor. I love it. Um, we're just over an hour. So maybe uh Maybe I'll look at the checklist. Well, I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that? Where are we at? Gosh, like, this is the problem, is I feel we have, like, so many, like, unended threads. Um, <laughs> yeah, so wrap it up in five minutes. Yeah. <laughs> we change the world, solve climate change, build community, and yet get to experience different things. And, yeah, through, through hopefully traveling as well, continuing to travel <laughs> less shallowly. Yeah, I, okay, so... Bringing up the, like, notion of intention. Intention is something that Natasha and I talk a lot about. Um, And I think it's, you know, ultimately, like, I think, gosh, I think there's something, like, different between intention and intent. I feel like intention is, like, this, this thing that you you think about like like something for me there's like a semantic slowness in intention whereas intent is kind of like oh i intended to you know do this in like this very short moment an intent can come in 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 the moment i think an intention though and yeah i'd agree with that because (laughs) when i think of the difference between first and second degree murder i think of intent as opposed to, like, and you would never say intention, you know. There you go, yeah. <laughs> There's a perfect real-life example. So, yeah, for me, intention is this very slow thing. And, like, to determine what your intentions are. And uh, I Natasha's really given me the gift of, like, being someone who is always asking, like, what our intentions are. And that was a big question around our trip. And, you know, that was a struggle for her, was, like, trying to determine what her intentions were. And she's someone who's a very like slow processor so that you know i think she was still trying to figure out the intentions when you know even during the trip so like but i think that to be able to go through your life with intention 
is a beautiful and like really healing thing because it's it's it asks you to i guess really make measurements of like the conditions <laughs> getting scientific yeah but like but like it, it it's it's you know, to ask what your intentions are going to a given moment, be it a grad school degree, a travel, um, whether you're going to buy the motorbike or the car or hitchhike, yeah. you know, I think these are all, you know, um, they, they, they demand like a sense of like deep consideration, Yeah. you know, and I think... And they, they, they give us a little bit of a direction. And I think this direction is, like, super, super important in, like, this, like, world that's, like, so cluttered with information. And we're, like, so often, like, extremely distracted. That to be able to have intention, to be able to have from that intention some direction that, you know, and these things are never solid. They're always flexible. But, like, t to have that can just allow you to be you know i guess if you can have a, a healthy fluid relationship with those intentions it can allow you to i guess it, it's kind of like in intentions action like as a compass does that make sense yeah, yeah absolutely yeah um i well i 100 percent believe this you know i um if you just form a few kind of key intentions, I think it just ripples down to well, and this ties back to the personal personal responsibility thing of like every choice you make and it's it almost starts happening on a subconscious level. You just like you start having preferences, whether you even thought of it, because they fit into an end goal you have. Mm -hmm. And and you meet people like this, like people who you meet who are just operating on the bell curve of or the what an exponential curve of efficiency and like like just doing so much all the time it's because they've found a few key goals or intentions and then everything they do kind of just fits into that and it becomes this kind of seamless thing and i i, I think in a lot of ways that's like the goal <laughs> mm -hmm. and you can enter and um and the great kind of like balancing in that is to find those intentions and to continue like be operating on that line mm -hmm. involves slowing down at times like you know yeah you can't just be distracted and you can't just be like hopping to the next thing because unless you like actually formulate an intention or a plan or like some coherence to all of your actions it's like you never actually end up being productive because you're just two steps forward one step back and i also think those intentions ask you to check in too like yeah. this to yourself to your community to like the important people in your life you know it's it's i think it's really unf like you, you it's not easy to make an intention without asking yourself and the important people around you some questions first <laughs> yeah absolutely you know so i think you know this is this is one of these kind of road road epiphanies uh which again one of the nice things about travel uh it, it, even when done wrong is it kind of gives you some distance from home and then gives you some uh, perspective on home once you come back 
And I, I think one of the things that I realized in about one of the things that kind of frustrates me about Yellowknife is like the amount of preoccupation a lot of people have, including myself. This is this is two way straight here. I, I recognize that I a lot of the time have preoccupation with the relationships that I have in Yellowknife. What do you mean by pre? I don't understand. <laughs> it's like we don't. Sometimes we don't see each other for like who we are in that moment, you know. So like you know, I run into Jay from Dead North. Yeah. And like instead of just like seeing him, yeah. I want to talk film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, because <laughs> I got this film idea and it's preoccupied and it's this idea that's being floating around my head. Whereas if I'm able to sit and reflect and go, oh what you really want is deeper relationships taylor you know and jay's a cool guy let's say you know um i'm uh then you're able to to you know and you're really listening to yourself on what your like more fundamental needs are then then your intention can help you stray away from like your preoccupations <laughs> you know and be able to like see let's say when i run into jay in the coffee shop jay just comes up because like i accidentally totally dismissed him at the birch room the other day when like three people were talking to me at the same time um and and this has happened to me more than once with jay so i you know it's, it's fresh in my mind so like yeah when when that kind of shit happens it's like you know uh i think intentions can help you help you because of the deep listening that they that they demand it can help you in those situations hopefully remember oh yeah yeah it's the human relationship don't talk about your fucking film idea like see this person because you want a deeper connection hmm. yeah i'm gonna have true on that one because i'm 100 guilty and preoccupied all the time yeah. in fact i that's like <laughs> i would say a philosophy of my life is that i don't like spending time with people unless we're doing something like i need an end goal we need to be making a film we need to be at a makerspace event doing a workshop i need to be on a board i need to like which is i've framed it as intention like it's like no this is our intention where this is what we're doing it's a goal and i can see and achieve result yeah. which is all of my relationships in Yellowknife and I like I have no time for just like going to some party and drinking a bunch of beer and having I'm just like why am I here like I could be doing something and this is this is <laughs> this is endemic in, in Yellowknife yeah which so is just, a very interesting thing I'm gonna think on how I've, I've never considered it a problem I've considered it my favorite thing about Yellowknife <laughs> is that I have people and it's immediately clear what we're doing like yeah. oh yeah we're gonna you know build a house today good we're gonna move some lumber on a boat perfect yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like i don't have to think <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 an interesting thing um anyhow it was it was it was a realization and and a, a um a critique that came up for both myself and the place and and Yellowknife when when i was on the road it was yeah it was a big it was a big aha moment and I will say I've been 25% successful since coming back. Yeah. and, and 75% unsuccessful. <laughs> Sorry, Jay. <laughs> no, and in thinking on this for another half second, I think, but maybe that's just life and that it's very easy in Yellowknife to make friends and community for intent purposes. Like we make films together or, you know, we sit on this board together or we, whatever we do X 
thing and then to like not bridge the gap of like hey why don't we like develop a relationship that's beyond this you know yeah and why don't we learn to navigate beyond these really narrow parameters because it inevitably by doing that you actually like well, you're better off you're creating deeper connections for yourself and your community and the person and it's just like a beneficial thing yeah and i and i think i'm a lot of us are hesitant to do that because it's like if it's your workplace it's like i want to get along well with that person in a work setting but i'm not really interested in actually pushing the parameters like it's like you know i'm in a professional setting this is where we are yeah. i don't want to bring you out of that and i don't want to add i don't want to see you at the birchwood and have to talk about like be vulnerable with each other it's like no we're trying to narrow these down to guided pathways so i think there's a balancing there but yeah i'm gonna think some more on it i would say as a as a closing thought because i know we're over time <laughs> uh yeah like the preoccupation plague that exists in in yellow knife is is utterly and uh and like intrinsically married to the like professional plague that i think also infects yellowknife i think we're and and if we if we we talked about talking music and i think this is one of my theories around how the music scene in yellowknife is is a little hindered but we don't have time to go into that (laughs) so but i i do think because of of this this plague of professionalism and well, like I'll... It, that that we that yeah it's it's one of these things that's tied into this like idea and notion of preoccupation that kind of kind of prevents us from uh um you know really really connecting deeply and i'm happy to admit being like patient zero you know like i i, I really think i i have a struggle with this as well but something that i want to fix yeah i I don't know i uh well i'll think more i question your use of the word plague as if it's an inherently negative thing to like create some barriers and professionalism and like i I really value those barriers in my life yeah yeah no no everything has its its black and white right and you know i want to be able to do things with people and not have to like create a really deep relationship with them you know like sometimes i just want to get to the end goal and be as productive as possible in that and the best way to do that is to kind of shelve vulnerability it's like or like i don't want you bringing that into that setting you know I'm here to be your lawyer like don't come talk to me as if there's anything beyond that relationship please yeah so i don't like i value professionalism but yeah, I, I I do see what you're saying about preoccupation, and perhaps it's at times and well, and yellow. It also probably leads to yellow knight's other problem of volunteer fatigue of we're all doing so many things, and perhaps not bringing attention to it. Of like, if I'm always just aiming to get the objective done and not really considering what I like personally get out of this, like, mm-hmm. and the relationships around me, then you know you're just that leads to burnout. And you sometimes are shelving conflict in order to get the objective completed. And then that conflict kind of just wears on you and you don't yeah. confront it by... <laughs> it's it, uh, it's not natural to hold those conflicts. 
Yeah. You don't see dogs do it. They both <laughs> hit each other. <laughs> yeah, and there's a time and a place. And, yeah. You know, sometimes yeah. it's nice to have some really predefined, you know, board governance rules to yeah. make sure conflict happens in a very structured way. And we're humans, and we have a huge frontal cortex that allows us to, like, shelve these things. And shelving them too much hurts us. Hmm. So it's it's a fine it's that finding that fine balance. So yeah, no, I uh, I fully respect the uh, criticism of using the negative word plague, but yeah, it's no, it's something it's it's something that I've that I've recognized and seen as something that's that's uh, not wholly, you know, it, it it's a negative there, you know, uh, and and yeah, I want I want to make you know saying this saying this in the context of leaving Yellowknife in two weeks, uh, <laughs> but, but intending to return, I want to make deeper connections in Yellowknife, you know, and I want people to know when I talk to them, you know, uh, that I care and, and about them. And maybe that means having less people. Uh, but I'd like to not think that it needs to be that way. No, that's fair. And how we bring more sincerity into our relationships is a very big question and a theme of this podcast and having long-form conversations, something I don't think happens enough. Okay. Uh, with that, uh, any final comments on the conversation, the medium, the podcast? The I only wish we'd, <laughs> we could you know, hours, I think, some rambling. More, no, wrap some more threads up. But... Uh, whatever, there's always loose threads. Yeah. It's good, good. Give some people something to think on. Um, do you want to ring us the ship's bell and sign us off? Dispatches from the Scandamaniacs signing off.